Hello, friends. My name is Cheryl Mays, and I am the founder and principal consultant with My Toolbox Consulting. Welcome to the My Toolbox podcast. Our guest today in our Love Letters series is Mrs. Harriet Vaughn Wallace with the Wallace Media Group. In this series, we are asking our guests one question. If you could write a love letter about something that you are passionate about and that brings you joy, what would it be? Follow the My Toolbox podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow and subscribe to our YouTube page, My Toolbox Consulting, to hear from all our guests as they share their love letters with us. Hello, Harriet, and welcome to the My Toolbox podcast. Please take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Hi there, Cheryl. Thank you so much, so, so much for having me on. I'm so excited. It's 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 kind of weird. I'm on the other side of an interview or a conversation, but I, I listen, I get it. It's nice and cozy over here. Um, but again, thank you so much for having me uh, with you today. And what an awesome, awesome series to discuss love letters. Um, I'm so excited about it. But just a little bit uh, about me. I'm rare. What do we call the unicorns? I'm born and raised in Nashville. Uh, my father a military uh, veteran went on. He started working while he was in college at the post office. And that's where he worked until he retired. Um, something we don't do nowadays, right? Keep one job forever. And my mother, a nurse by trade, um, went into nursing. <clears throat> my parents met at Tennessee State University. And um, she did a lot, was the first in many ways in nursing, went on to teach at TSU. So when it came time, for me to go to college, she was like, no, you're not going to TSU. Spread your wings, experience life. Now my daddy from the projects of Memphis, nine other siblings was like, no, we gonna save some money. But mommy said, no, go out, spread your wings. And so I went to Hampton University for my undergrad where I majored in broadcast journalism because as a child, I used to write a lot. I remember uh, when I was a child, my mother sent me to writing camps. I would go to Suwannee uh, College there and I spent summers writing when I was a little girl. And so when I went into college, it just seemed a natural thing to major in broadcast journalism because she always had me in forensics as well. And um, so I studied there, fell in love with it, hungry. I mean, like a ferocious appetite for the business and I've traveled around the country, lived around the country. And I just love, I love to hear people's stories and I love to tell people's stories. And I really appreciate doing it with such a passion and power because what I've learned is that a lot of folks don't recognize their voice. We all have them, but they don't recognize it and the power of it, therefore they don't access it. And I love to be able to help them do that. So that's a little bit, oh, and I'm, I'm married. I, let me not get in trouble. I'm married <laughs> to my honey bear, Scott Wallace. Okay. Um, and uh, four kids and three glam kids. So a full family and just a lot of love. So that's me. Well, thank you for that. And so one of the things that I absolutely love about you is your ability to tell a story and your ability to mm -hmm. shed light on those people that you have been in the presence of that you are introducing or interviewing. So you have a special gift in that respect. So would you say that that is your love letter? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I have, you know, if you really think about it, since I started working in TV news, well, really my first job in news was with Rosetta Perry, Miss Perry, as I call her. I've known her since I was a little girl. And I started working uh, with her newspaper when I was in seventh grade and then went on to college and, you know, doing a lot of work. But I, my first full-time TV job was my senior year of college. And I've been writing, and that was in 2002. I've been writing pretty much every day of my life since 2002. And if I'm not writing, then I'm editing stories from my students I teach on the collegiate level. And I love to be able to put power and love and humanity in this little body called a script and tell a person their whole life story or the impact of this moment in their life, this transformative moment in their life in such a way that we can all relate. You may not have had this car accident or lost this loved one in a tragedy or experienced this illness or whatever, but we find that common ground in that spirit of perseverance, that moment of hopelessness that they may have and be inspired, relate and then be inspired by how they move in their story or if they're not moving in such a way, it then awakens something in you to maybe reach out to them or to someone else that's near you that you see is in a similar situation. So I am very much passionate about what I do. And I think a big part of your talent is your ability to bring those stories out of people. You know, anybody can ask a question and get someone to talk about their life, but to have someone to be able to trust you enough to where they want to share a lot about what's going on in their lives, that that takes a little bit of a talent for someone to bring that out. Because I can tell you from my perspective, and I've known you for a while, I am not very trusting of anybody who asks me questions, but <laughs> Wallace says, hey, what do you think about this? Oh, I'm going to have that story to tell. So that is a true talent. And I thank you for that. Um, so how do you, as that talent, um, what do you think it takes to get people to open up to an individual like yourself? Uh, well, first, let me say it's, I'm so used to talking about other people that it is so uncomfortable to hear about myself. So I'm just, I, I'm blushing. I, I'm, I appreciate what you're saying. I, I, I do. Um, and people think because I'm on TV and stuff all the time that I always want to be out there. I'm cool to be out there. I'm out there to, to accomplish a mission and then I'm back. I'm always okay for people to be in the forefront. Let me just say that so I can get myself together. Um, but you touched on something because you are not the first person to say that to me. And there are people who in this business, I can reach out to them and they'll just tell me any and everything, even stuff that's not supposed to be released yet. And another reporter will reach out to the same people and they won't even respond to a text. Definitely won't answer the call. And that's because trust, I can't express enough how important that is to me. And I'll tell you who taught me that, compassion and trust, Cynthia Williams. Mm. If anybody remembers her, Cynthia Williams, 
Yes. From Channel 4 News here. Mm -hmm. um, sweet, sweet spirit. I know she is probably part of the prayer line as people come in to the gates of heaven. And I called up Channel 4. Sorry about that. Okay, can you still see me? I can still see and hear you. Okay, sorry. Look, I, I'm trifling. I didn't even put my phone on. Do not disturb. I'm sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> I called up Channel 4 when I was, I think it was eighth grade. Boldness. Don't even know where that came from. And I said, hey, I'm really interested in TV. My parents didn't even know I did it. Can I come in shadow? And they're like, okay, well, sure. And they put me with Cynthia and I spent some time with her. I spent what, two days with her and she was on like soldier's story. And one I think was about taxes and with everyone, she would just talk to them because they're human beings. We all are mm -hmm. talk to them, talk about a plan in their office or whatever. And there was just something that was so comfortable about her and disarming about her that she could be interviewing the president and they would just open up and talk about something that they've been battling or share about new kittens they got. And so I, I learned that you have to approach it and remember that these are human beings that you're talking to. Absolutely. These are people with hopes and hurts, challenges and triumphs, real life experiences. And then guess what? That's you too. Mm -hmm. And I understand that having a big camera and lights in your face is really overwhelming. And I may do it every day, but nobody else does. And it's really uncomfortable. And <clears throat> so I go into it and we talk. Before we even pull out the camera, we talk first. I wanna know how you're doing, how's your day? What's the impact of this thing that I'm gonna to talk to you about? And then I explain to you what it is that we're about to do and how it's gonna go. But also when we move into the trust piece, man, I can't, if, if, if I could put to words how important that is to me, how important it is to storytelling, I could, I would, because you need to know that in these interviews and in these stories, you are giving over something very delicate to me, your reputation, your words, your feelings, and those could be spun, twisted, interpreted in any kind of way. So you're giving me a piece of yourself that could potentially impact you today and the years to come. And so you got to know that when you give that to me and you can no longer touch it again, then I'm going to take care of it. And I've been very intentional in every story that I take to make good on that commitment. And also, if you give something to me, what happened is when I've done that, people then are like, okay, Harry, I'm going to give you a scoop. I'm going to tell you something. Now, I mean, I found out before some family members even found out things because they knew that I would hold it until they released me to do it. I don't care if another station found out about it and they got the scoop. If this person who gave it to me didn't release me to do it, then I won't do it. And so I just really believe in taking good care of people that trust themselves to you. And because I wouldn't want that in return. I mean, you're talking about people's family families, their livelihood, 
Yeah. I wouldn't want anybody doing that to me. So I approach it the same. And that is huge. And I can tell you from my perspective, trust is everything. And you are right. There are some people who, when they call me, I will pick up the phone immediately or I will return a phone call. There are others who, when they call, I'm like, yeah, not today. But uh, it has everything to do with trust and being able to, and knowing from my perspective that if I share something and I say, this is just between the two of you, you the two of us until I ask you to share it, that I can actually count on that person, it means the world. So thank you for that. And thank you for recognizing that the impact of your words or your storytelling could potentially create a larger issue if not shared in oh, the yeah. perfect way. So that is so much appreciated. And unfortunately, not everyone in the media understands that. That's, no. that's why you have those phone calls that don't go, that go unanswered because they have a reputation for not taking care of their sources. So that is huge. And that thank you for that. And clearly it's your love letter because it is coming through very clear, very loud. So I appreciate that. Um, please continue to share. I want this to be an organic conversation. And, uh, and you know, from your perspective, and I shared this with you before we started recording, you are the expert. I'm still learning in this space. So if you have any questions, please do ask them, but I absolutely love hearing your story. Cheryl, you're doing great. Look, look, the education professional you is coming out, grading my paper. You're doing absolutely fabulous because going back to the storytelling and the trust, just like this podcast right here, this series is just a conversation. Absolutely. I'm not grilling you. I'm not interrogating you. I'm not about to indict you or fire you or investigate you. It really is just a conversation. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about trust, if there is a person out there that said, I sent this information to Harriet and, and she released it or told and it, she wasn't clear or whatever, they lying to you. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very clear up front when I say, okay, I want to release this. And I will ask you, is this just for me? Is this just for me right now? Or is this for me to go ahead and release? I get, I, I ask that because I don't want there to be a break. And then also when we start recording, I let you know we're about to record so you can know when we are on record. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the same for the phone. And I'll ask people a lot of times and I've even said it to you. Okay, so now is this on the record or off the record? Now, I'm someone you can trust if you say it's off the record. And you know, a lot of, a lot of journalists today do things for ratings. Yes. I do things for real people. You know, they do things for, for views and clickbait. I do it for culture change, mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is not all journalists. There, there is this shift in the stories we're telling, the way that we're telling them, the frequency that we're telling them. Um, and at the end of the day, it may be juicy and pretty, but is there substance? Is there true impact? Is it gossip or is it actual information? Right, right. You know, so um, I'm just really serious about it. And because of that seriousness, that's why I also teach communications. And I teach journalism. I was the um, faculty advisor over the meter at TSU for some years. 
And we really learned the power of our stories and how you, you can literally change, impact, and force the development of policy. You can change people's perspectives and their viewpoints. Um, and then also understanding the power of how you show up in this newsroom. And then when you get into the mainstream newsrooms, because there is an expectation and there is a responsibility of you. And, you know, I shared with them a time when I was working at a TV station, I was out on my live shot. I don't even remember what story it was. And I saw we had put up a story on our website and it was like, police are looking for suspects for some, um, and it was a break-in or something like that. And it was the black male, white t-shirt. I think it was black sweatpants or something like that. Again, I'm out of my life shot, had nothing to do with that. And I called and I said, you just described what my husband wore on Saturday when we went out and I'm not lying. Mm -hmm. You described something that my son would probably wear. So. And we had a conversation, I said, so you have to understand this is where profiling begins mm -hmm. for us as far as how we um, allow that to carry through the community and shape opinions. Right. And I said, just because police send us that, that's their talk, that's fine with them, that works for them, whatever they do. But when it enters into our hands, we have the power and the ability to include that, not include that, or call police back and say, was there anything identifying about this person that we can include? Mm -hmm. And they did that at my request. And when police didn't have anything else, we took the story down. <clears throat> and so as we shift the conversation a little bit, Cheryl, I think this kind of moves into your area. And I'm so glad that you're back at the school board. Oh, you're so awesome. Thank you. And like you said, the babies need you. Uh, my babies, I love my babies. But Cheryl, we have to, you're not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. And we can't look back and be upset with how the generation behind us is moving if we didn't do our part to prepare them to continue carrying the mantle. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's super important. You even touched on something that I talked to my kids about. Uh, from time to time when they, I always, and this is, this gets me into trouble with my own flesh and blood kids sometimes. Whenever I meet a young person, the first thing I ask them is, well, what do you want to do? What are your plans? What are your goals? How are you going to get there? And you sort of touched on something that I bring to them about reaching out. So if if there is a an, an young person who says, oh, I want to be an attorney, my next question is, oh, have you reached out to any law offices to see if they have any internship opportunities or job shadowing opportunities? No. Well, there's a good way to start. How do you know that's what you want to do if you haven't been in that space? So thank you for sharing that information because it, it gives uh, confirmation to what I've said to my kids whenever I meet with them about that next step. You clearly have, you were smart enough to do your homework when you were young. And I think that's amazing. There are not a lot of young people who think that they have that ability and that power and they really do. So thank you for that. 
Yeah. And I think it's about that passion. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was going to say it's about, it's about the passion. Um, because I, and I've talked about this a few times when I've, when I've gone to speak to groups, we talk so much about, um, our, our purpose, mm -hmm. finding our purpose. What is our purpose here on earth? You know, what are we supposed to be doing? And we feel lost. And at every chance that I get to speak, whether it's with my class or when I'm speaking to different groups of professionals, my number one objective is to change the way that they think. Because you can feel a certain way, you can do a certain thing, but a belief is the core and the center of everything that comes out of us, right? And so sometimes we have to course correct or edit how we think. And <clears throat> when I talk to them about purpose, I've talked to business owners, you know, small businesses. I've talked to students, talked to executives. And I asked them to think just for a minute. Maybe it's not that you're looking for purpose. Would you consider that you are purpose? Mm, that's a great point. Maybe you are purpose. I mean, I know that you are, but I'm just saying I'm posing this question to open your thought because I'm really big on not telling people what to think, but giving them things to think about so they can arrive at their own opinions themselves, which is how I approach news. But um, because if we believe whatever higher power we believe in, we weren't just plopped down on this earth. There was a targeted destination and reason reason for us to become human and exist on this earth mm -hmm. that reason is also called your purpose so if there's this reason developed that precipitated your creation then purpose was born into you so therefore whatever you touch is purposeful I right yes, and so cheryl we have people who are like and i know you run into this a lot with your kids I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, what am I even here for? And even some of your adults, your, your educators, whomever. But here's the thing. There is a calling and then there's a purpose. Mm -hmm. The purpose is the reason why you're here or your mission. The calling now your mission doesn't change, mm -hmm. right? Your your reason for being doesn't change, but your calling just might. So you have the reason that is you, your mission. Mm -hmm. The calling is at this stage in my life, when I'm 13, 14, 15, that thing, that purpose, that reason that I am is being called to create a student organization that helps kids deal with bullying. Mm -hmm. And then when you're 19 and 20 in college or wherever you may be after you graduate high school, that same mission in you, still the same, but now there's a new calling that says, um, 
you're to go and start a small photography business. And then guess what you're gonna do in photography? You're gonna show people real human beings mm -hmm. and you're going to encourage people who see your pictures to see themselves as beautiful too, mm. which kind of sounds the same as this other calling you answered when you created this organization about bullying. You're teaching people to love themselves, value themselves. Mm -hmm. When you're 30, mm -hmm. there may be a different calling on the purpose, mm -hmm. right? And so that's what's really important to me that people get. And I think our world kind of gets out of order because people, a lot of people are lost and some of them don't even realize that they are the purpose. Your mission is to impact people, fill in the blank. It's yeah. different for you than it is for me. And Cheryl, you've had different callings. You've been in the school board, you've been out of the school board, you've been in you know different work environments, but think about what you've accomplished in those areas. A lot of it is the same. Yeah. It's just the calling in the place was different. To your point, I think for me, uh, I don't know how rare it is, but I'll say for me, it is uh, a combination of the two. I think in my life, my passion and my purpose have collided and created this space where I am right now. Because I can remember for as, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to work with young people and try to help them and guide them as much as I possibly could. Now, the reason I say that my calling and my purpose, my passion and my purpose have collided is because I cannot think of a better time when I am more alive and more joyful than when I am working with young people. I could be having the absolute worst day of my life but if you give me an opportunity to work with young people and sort of bring out whatever it is that they're trying to do, then my day has just been lifted. So that's why I love doing what I do. And that's why I, I say to young people when I meet them, I will support you however I can. I want to know what it is you want to do so that I can help you in that regard. Um, so again, I, I agree 100% with what you said. I think my passion and purpose have collided at the right time. You know, I am the true believer that I'm still on this earth because I have something yet to do. And I will just keep walking down that path and be faithful in that walk until I figure out exactly what that thing is. But I really believe I'm living in that space right now. So I agree with what you said. Thank you for that. That's some great information. Very insightful. And that's what, what, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Were you about to say no, something else? No, go ahead. That, did you ever watch Sister Act 2? Of course, one of my favorite movies. And if you recall that scene that she had with uh, Lauren Hill, she had, I wish she had just run out of um, the church when she was singing. Because, you know, Lauren Hill's mom, for those who, you know, didn't watch the movie, um, Lauren Hill's mom was just adamant about her not singing. Mm -hmm. But that was her passion, which is different than the purpose. Mm -hmm. right your passion is that thing that you're interested in that you just go hard for but the purpose is what you're to accomplish expressing that passion right but anyway and if you remember Whoopi Goldberg said to her and I forget the exact words but it's still resonant because when I saw it when I was a little girl I said when I was a little girl I said that's how I feel about news mm -hmm. but she said if if you can't go to sleep 
without thinking about it, waking up thinking about it, going to breakfast thinking about it. If that's all you think about and you can't rest, and again, I'm rewording it, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think about what I do in news. Right there, y'all know me. I got 15 jobs, always have. If I'm not working something, I got my hands in 20 other projects. But when it comes to news, and you'll know if that's your passion and where you're supposed to be moving, because it's like you just said, Cheryl, it feels like the room has been stuffy and somebody opened a window and a good fresh breeze just came through Mm-hmm. And I am breathing. It's oxygen. It's living. It's life. It's power. It's light. It's energy. It's joy. And even when the days are tough or my employees get on my nerves or people in my business or organization are irritating me or the money's not right with the company or I didn't get a raise, whatever, you still, man, you still are motivated to show up. Mm-hmm. And and you're not motivated to show up. I mean, yeah, we have to earn money, you know, to live. But you're not showing up because, man, I got to get a check. You're showing up because this is what I want to do. And I, I'm going to make it work out mm-hmm. because I'm breathing. And when you're not operating in your passion, man, it feels like you're suffocating. Like you can't breathe. Like there's no air in the room. You are restless. But when you move in that passion and you breathe and you live, that feels like eternal life, man. It just, you don't see an end to it, like endless opportunities. And what's so beautiful about that is because that's often the same way that we describe, not, you know, I'm Christian, I respect what everybody else believes, but that's often how we describe our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm joy, endless, deep-rooted joy, fresh air, life, anointing, power. And you have this constant hunger that's constantly fed, but yet how is it that I keep eating off this thing that God has given me, but I never am full, right? And and let me go back just for a second. We talked about a, a few minutes ago. When I shared with you that you are one of the few people that when I speak to you, I feel like I can share anything that I need to share and just feel free and feel cleansed. You literally just described my life prior to me leaving corporate America. Every single day on my drive into that office, I felt overwhelmed. I literally was almost in tears just driving into the office until I absolutely... A trip to, I call her my Argentine angel, a trip to Argentina saved my life, literally. I met a second grader in Argentina who challenged me and made me realize what I really wanted to do. So two weeks after that trip, and I won't give you the whole story uh, here, but two weeks after that trip, I came back to the U.S. I was in a meeting with my boss and I told him that I was leaving, that I was going to turn in my notice. I didn't have another job. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do later, but I knew that being in that space, I felt like I was suffocating every single day. And there are certain things that happen in your life uh, that people, where people recognize what's really going on in your world. 
The day after I turned in my notice, I saw a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in probably two months. And she said to me, she stopped me as I was walking down the hall and she said, Cheryl, what is going on with you? You are glowing. And I said, well, I just turned in my notice. And she was like, you're leaving? I was like, absolutely. When I left that day, that after that two week time period, I left with my things in hand and I kept waiting for the regret to, to wash over me. I was like, I'm walking out of here. I don't have another job. I don't know what I'm going to do next. I just know that this is not where I need to be. This is not where I'm supposed to be. I feel like I'm up slowly suffocating to death in this place. And for probably two weeks, I waited for the regret to hit me. Every morning I would get up and I was like, well, nope, not sorry yet. Nope, not sorry yet. So I spent a month, uh, I would say, I call it um, getting the corporate America out of my system. I spent literally a month. You had to purge a little bit. Yes, yes. At the end of that one month, I got up one day and I said, all right, now, Miss Mays, what is it that you want to do next? What is What are your skill sets? What do you know? What don't you know? And I created this space in my office at home where I wrote all this stuff down. I wrote down everything that I knew, everything that I wanted to know, everything that I could do, couldn't do the whole nine. And at the end of a week, I had all of these flip charts of all this information that I had gathered and I started reading through them. And unbeknownst to me, I had created a business plan. And that is how my, that's how my business started, literally started from me purging onto these flip charts in my office, because to your point, I knew that I was in a space where I wasn't supposed to be. I just, I, I literally felt like I couldn't breathe walking into the office every day. And it was time for me to go. And again, I didn't know how I was going to make it. I just knew that that wasn't it. And I would do, you know, we, and I will say this about um, Black women in particular. We are resilient and we can do things that people don't expect that we can do. And I knew that no matter what would happen, I was going to be able to take care of myself. Even if I had to get 17 part-time jobs and string them together to make a full <laughs> I was going to- Because we'll do it. We'll yes. do it. And within two months of me walking out of that office and starting my own business, I had my first contract. And I was like, oh, okay, well, God, I hear you loud and clear. Here we go. So, but this is, this is how I started this whole conversation about love letters. I was literally, it was a shower conversation between me and my head. I was in the shower and I thought I was thinking about ideas. I need some ideas on, on the next thing. And the love letters came to my mind. I was like, I wonder how many people have love letters that they could write about the things that they absolutely enjoy doing. And I wanted to express that in a way. And luckily it hit me at the end of January. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be kind of cool to be able to record these, these conversations and share them with the world for Valentine's day. I mean, it's perfect timing. So that's my, my love letter is my passion. And again, finding my purpose. And I think the two of them have collided, which I think is a rarity because not everybody understands their purpose or not everybody will know exactly what their passion is and or how to build on it. So, you know, I'm sorry, I'm taking up some time on your interview. No, no, no. You just sparked this in me and I'm like, okay, I've got to get this out of my system right now. So 
that's where that's my love letter to life just loving everything that I do and loving the space that I'm in it's been absolutely a blessing for me to to grow to the place where I am right now and I'm thankful that you have answered this calling that is on your life because so many so many people have been and will be impacted by what you have done and what you are doing and you know we think sometimes oh this little podcast I want to do or this little business I want to start or this idea or event I want to host is just this little something you know but we don't we don't know and we don't truly understand the reach of it and the impact of what it is that we're going to do <clears throat> and you know you mentioned something you know, you're in corporate America and then you've got contracts. And what's so interesting, because there are two things you said that I want to touch on and, and then I'm gonna be quiet because I know, you know, this is your thing, I, you know, um, is that, that A, that was the point that I was making in that what I know of you, what I've seen of you and what I'm hearing from you right now is that your mission has been the same. You have touched people you have taught them how to stand in their royalty, how to walk into a room, how to command the space and stand in the space that belongs to you, which is wherever you plant your feet to reach for the stars, no matter what, to know that when you reach and if you fall, I've got your back. Mm -hmm. And you did that in a way in corporate America. You did that in a way in the political realm. You've done that and are doing that same thing in our education system. And now you're doing the same thing from your home or wherever you are on a podcast. And, and you answered a calling. And when and again, going back to, you know, to my faith, we, we know the story about Peter stepping out. And Peter wanted to go out. He wanted to go out there with, with, with Jesus. Jesus wanted him out there with him. He knew that he needed to go out there, but he didn't go until he was what? Called. Mm -hmm. And now a few things happen in between that process, but you know, a lot of times we're just waiting on the calling and it'll come. That boat was rocky as heck in life and our business rocky. That water was up and down and turbulent and wavy. You don't know what dangers lie below. So was life, you know, but God calls us according to, he could have called anybody else on that boat, but there was a purpose that he had in him to come out. And so that's how we live our life. And then switching to something else you said about love, that isn't it funny how we describe, we use a lot of the same descriptors to describe love and passion. Mm. Sometimes they're synonymous mm -hmm. because love is as what give me give, as is defined is patient, it endures, doesn't keep count of wrongdoings. Mm -hmm. That sounds a lot like our passion. It endures, mm -hmm. it is patient, right? Mm -hmm. And depending on what happens and what we encounter through acting out and expressing our passion, we may have to excuse some wrongs of other people or wrongs that we maybe did, right? And so 
But going back to this whole thing, <clears throat> my love letter, that's a tough one. I ask people questions all the time and now I'm stumped on one. <laughs> um, I just, I think I am truly, truly, truly committed to people not just recognizing, but accessing and utilizing their power mm -hmm. and doing it in their own avenue. Because one thing that I was challenged with some years ago was I really want to bring about cultural change, not just when it comes to race relations, but just in accepting people for how they are. Man, move how you move. Mm -hmm. What is normal? Mm -hmm. To me, normal is abnormal, actually. I mean, like, what is normal? And we just love each other. Man, whoever you kiss, whoever, you know, you you in business with, that's none of my business. My business is the human being that is before me, right? I love you regardless. You rob somebody, I don't, listen, I, not that I don't care, but we're all good people. Our actions vary. I'm concerned with the character not so much the action, especially when it ain't got nothing to do with me. But if we could just tap into our power and help people realize that they too can give themselves permission to access and utilize their power, mm -hmm. how much more powerful collectively could we and would we be? And, and I so I'm just I'm 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 really into people power. Yeah. I think if we exercise the stay in your lane mentality when it's necessary, I think we would get a lot further. You know, I have one of the things, and my sister, my older sister tells me this all the time. When there is a question about somebody's doing something, she's like, nope, that's not my lane. I need to stay in my lane. And I have started to live in that, in that realm. It's like, if it's yeah. not my business, I need to stay in my lane. It's not my business who you love. It's not my business who you work with. It's not my business. Now, if you're hurting somebody that I love, I will make it my business. Oh, we gang gang. Okay. Yes. Yes. Don't stop for my people. Exactly. Let's, uh, do we need to mount up? That's the question. <laughs> mount up. Yeah. You're so, you can't even help. You're just so graceful. You can't even get thug with it real quick. You need to mount up. <laughs> oh, trust. Born and raised in North Nashville. I can get thug when I need to, but you know, I'm okay. it up, up here right now. But yeah, so anyway, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And I I know that my audience has, will take several jewels from this conversation because I've had several jewels that I've pulled out of this conversation as well. So I do appreciate it so much. And again, for those of the, for uh, those of you who are joining us, welcome and thank you for listening to the My Toolbox podcast and my absolutely fantastic guest, Mrs. Harriet Wallace, Wallace Media Group. And Harriet, if there's any information that you want to share with our audience about your socials or how to contact you, if you want anybody to reach out to you, totally fine if you want to share that information. If not, it's totally okay. But I'll give you about a minute and a half to give final thoughts. Oh, I don't even need that long, honey. I used to do my live shots shorter than that. All right. Thank you all so much for listening and for watching and for being part of this movement. Cheryl, you are an absolute queen. And this is an honor for me to be in your presence. And for you to even think about me, I, you called me. I was like, what? <laughs> Thank you. I am grateful. 
everybody remember you are passion, you are purpose. So everything you touch is purposeful and is on purpose. And remember, you can't do everything. I wanted to bring about cultural change, but I realized I can't organize a rally. I can't go write this policy, but what I can do is unique to me and my purpose that's in the media shining a light on the work that everybody else is doing. So remember, you are purpose, you are light. I love you all so much. I love you, Cheryl. Find me on social, hit me up, Harriet V. Wallace, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Harriet. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening and watching today. Please stay tuned for our next in the series on our love, love letter series. We will be broadcasting from starting on uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, which I think is pretty appropriate. So stay tuned to the My Toolbox podcast. Remember, find us on Spotify or anywhere that you are able to listen to your podcast or go directly to our YouTube page at My Toolbox Consulting. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.